A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Hey, it's Cam Edwards. Thanks so much for being a part of the program today. So glad that you've joined us on the show. Today we're going to talk about violent crime, particularly violent crime in Philadelphia, where record-setting number of homicides last year, uh, blowing past the record of 500 homicides. It was, I think, set back in the late 80s. It was 1987. You know, we have been told by so many uh, anti-gun politicians and public officials that the only way to turn things around is to crack down on our right to keep and bear arms, right? There's, there's simply no way that Philadelphia is going to become a safer place unless our Second Amendment rights are eroded. And that doesn't make much sense to me. I, I don't know why on earth anybody would expect that violent criminals are going to be uh, more peaceful if the law-abiding gun owners are disarmed, but that's the argument. And they've been sticking to it for decades now. But there is more evidence today that that argument is simply garbage. Because just down the road from Philadelphia City Hall, what was one of the most violent communities in America uh, is now a much safer place without any new gun control laws being put on the books. Chester, Pennsylvania, which is a bedroom community, it's in Delaware County. Uh, just to the southeast of a Philadelphia proper. And the Philadelphia Inquirer reports that six years ago, 2016, Chester had one of the highest per capita homicide rates of any city in the country. And the majority of those cases were going unsolved. But now, just six years later, murders are down dramatically. The homicide clearance rate is up dramatically. And city leaders at a press conference on Tuesday detailed what happened. To make that possible, they said it wasn't a fluke. It's not an accident. They call it a, quote, slow and deliberate transformation uh, based on what they say was a, quote, unprecedented level of collaboration and cooperation among city leaders, county prosecutors and lawmakers in Harrisburg. And what's important about that is that if this was a collaboration between local and state officials, well, there's no reason why local officials in, say, Philadelphia couldn't collaborate with their state analogs as well to do the very same thing. So what strategy was deployed here, was used to uh, to make Chester a safer city? Well, according to officials, they say the biggest impact has been the Chester Partnership for Safe Neighborhoods, which is a program run by District Attorney Jack Stolsteimer that uses focused deterrence to target the small number of residents committing the bulk of the gun violence in the city. And since the program's inception of November 2020, homicides in Chester have decreased by 38%. The police department's murder clearance rate, a record-setting 57%. Now, if that phrase, focus deterrence, sounds familiar, it's because we talk about it quite a bit here on Cam and Company. Because it works. Because it is a policing strategy that actually works to reduce violent crime. There's no... That you don't you don't need to try to pass new gun control laws. You don't need to try to criminalize the right to keep and bear arms. All you have to do, in fact, again, that takes you further away from what works. What works is focusing on the actual individuals who are committing these very real offenses. If that's where the focus is, and you're able to take those individuals off the street, maybe even turn their lives around in some cases. That's when you really see results. And Chester, PA is not the only city doing this. I mean, gosh, we talked about, I think we talked about this on the show. I know we wrote about it at Bearing Arms a couple of weeks ago. Dallas, Texas. 
uh, a dramatic reduction in homicides in Dallas in the last three months of 2021 after police put this same strategy in place. They basically broke down the city of Dallas in like 140,000 like micro zones, right? They just had a grid of the city. And again, I mean, just massive, very, very small uh, uh, spaces that we're talking about. And they flooded the zone in like 150 of the 140,000 or so micro zones that the police department had established. But by isolating those crime hotspots. They were also able to isolate the prolific offenders operating out of those hotspots. And again, violent crime and homicides decreased dramatically in Dallas once that strategy was put in place. That strategy, by the way, was put in place after constitutional carry went into effect in the state of Texas. So we've heard, right, Wild West, it's going to lead to just people carrying guns on the streets all over the place. It's going to be horrible. Well, Dallas didn't have an issue. With the uh, implementation of constitutional carry, because, again, they're, they're not focused on law-abiding gun owners. They're not focused on the people who may be carrying a gun but aren't robbing people. They're focused on the people who are actually committing the violent crimes. When you do that, amazingly, crime goes down. Uh, back to uh, Chester, PA. Kevin Madden, who's a city council member there in uh, uh, Chester, said, quote, It's a false choice to say you're either for strong law enforcement or rehabilitative services. He said, we have a real opportunity to take a community that's been left behind and to turn it into a model for the state in this country. It really is a turning point. And I think that that is actually key. This, you know, it seems like so many uh, issues today are, are are boiled down to like these binary choices, right? So when it comes to public safety as well, what do you want? Do you want cops or do you want these community programs, right? Do you want to uh, defund the police or do you want to defund these uh, uh, nonprofits? And I don't think that answer satisfies anybody, because in all honesty, there is not just room, but there is a need for both strategies, again, in a collaborative approach. Not to flog that dead horse, but I'll bring up Operation Ceasefire once again. And I know I've talked about this a lot on the program because it works. This is the uh, the program that was outlined in, uh, hang on one second here, I got the book right behind me. Uh, in the book, Don't Shoot, One Man, A Street Fellowship, and the End of Violence in Inner City America, David Kennedy from uh, John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And, and again, this strategy does not involve any new gun control laws. Instead, it is entirely about focusing on those most violent prolific offenders with a carrot and stick approach. And the carrot is... Hey, you're going to stop shooting people, and we're going to help you turn your life around. We're going to help you get your life on track. We're going to get you your GED. We're going to get you job counseling. We're going to get you mental health help if you need it. Whatever you need, we're going to help you. But the stick is if you don't stop shooting, then we're going to take your case. We're going to move it over to federal court. We're not going to offer you a plea bargain this time. I know you've had slaps on the wrist before, but mm -mm, not, not next time. No, we're going to lock you up for as long as we possibly can because we can't have you out on the street destroying these communities anymore. So either you start to fix yourself, in which case we're going to help you out, or we're going to warehouse you. We're not going to try to rehabilitate you. We're just going to lock you up for as long as we possibly can. And it would break our heart to do it. We don't want to do it. We don't want to see you disappear. We want to see you change your ways, but that's ultimately your choice. And if you decide that's not what you're going to do, well, you've left us with no other choice than to prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. When those programs 
are successfully implemented, when you don't have the uh, bureaucratic infighting or the egos getting involved, but you really are able to have this collaborative approach, man, amazing things can happen. Again, 38% reduction in homicide in Chester in just a little more than a year. Boston, Massachusetts, which was the first city to put this strategy in place, focused on juvenile crime back in the late 1990s, they saw an over 50% decline in juvenile homicides. Again, these strategies aren't new. It's not secret knowledge. It's not hidden from anybody. We know these programs work. But we also know that there are, unfortunately, a lot of anti-gun politicians who would rather put policies in place that are designed to decrease legal gun ownership, that are designed to make it more legally dangerous and dubious to exercise your Second Amendment rights, even if there's no proof that they actually reduce violent crime whatsoever. We know that there are politicians who would rather go down that road than take this collaborative approach that doesn't involve putting new gun laws on the books, that actually is focused specifically on reducing violent crime, because we know that there are anti-gun politicians out there who will use a rise in violent crime for their own anti-gun agenda. It's helpful to them when the murder rates rise. It, 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 it you know, lights a fire under people. we got to do something, right? And what's that something always going to be? When you uh, hear uh, Governor Tom Wolf open up his mouth, generally when you hear Josh Shapiro, the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, open up his mouth, it's, well, we need to do something. We need to do something. It's too easy to get a hold of a gun. It's too easy to uh, exercise your Second Amendment rights. It's too easy, easy, easy to do these things. So we got to crack down on legal gun owners in the hope and expectation that it'll have some trickle-down effect on violent criminals. Why? Why? Why not start... By focusing on the violent criminals. Let's just start there. Eliminate the middleman of all of these legal gun owners. Makes sense to me. Makes sense to law enforcement. I'd say the only people it really doesn't make sense to are those anti-gun activists who are perfectly fine with watching violent crime rates rise as long as they think it improves their chances of cracking down on your Second Amendment rights. And because of that, I honestly don't think that the uh, politicians in Philadelphia are going to learn any lessons from what's happened in Chester, PA, just down the road. The evidence is there for them, but I just don't think there's any interest. I think the anti-gun ideology runs far too deep for uh, Philly's political leaders to actually focus on public safety rather than disarming the general public. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report as well. This uh, comes from Indiana, Hammond, Indiana, where a man's pleaded guilty to shooting up his girlfriend's family home uh, because his girlfriend apparently blocked his text and he got angry. Yeah, and here's the thing. Uh, Philip Armstrong, he's 33 years old. He's old enough to know better. He's also uh, apparently not going to go to jail for this crime, even though the house was occupied. There were three adults. There were two kids inside. And Armstrong admitted, yeah, I got angry. She was blocking my text. I drove over there. I just shot out of the place. Uh, he's been offered a plea deal. As long as he forfeits his gun and attends anger management class, he can spend the next two years on probation instead of behind bars. Now, a judge does still have to sign off on this plea deal. That uh, will probably happen on February 17th. We'll try to keep our eyes on this case. But, uh, yeah, there you go. Firing into an occupied home. And walking away with probation. Unbelievable. 
Today's Armed Citizen story. Actually, let's go back to Philadelphia for this one. Where a uh, carjacking victim able to turn the tables on the would-be robber because he is a concealed carry holder. Uh, the victim with a message to the 18-year-old carjacker, stay in school, don't play with guns, don't rob people, work for what you want, he said. This happened uh, just around midnight on Tuesday. The uh, 33-year-old uh, concealed carry holder uh, driving down the road, stopped at a red light. 18-year-old guy comes up, points a gun at his face. The uh, driver said, if it if I didn't pull my gun, if I didn't react, I wouldn't have gone home that night. So he fired several shots at the uh, would-be carjacker who ran off into the night but showed up a short time later at a local hospital. Police were able to take him into custody. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that the carjacking victim had those words of wisdom for the carjacker or the would-be carjacker, right? Stay in school. Don't play with guns. Don't rob people. Work for what you want. It's good advice. I just wish he would have given some advice to the uh, his fellow Philadelphians as well. Because I don't think that I I don't know how many carjackers are actually going to, you know, take this guy's advice to heart. But if this Philadelphian had said, and by the way, if you're not a carjacker, if you're not a criminal, but you're just somebody trying to get home at night. Get your training, get your carry license and uh, make sure that you are always able to protect and defend your life when you're out here on these city streets and even inside your home. That's the advice that I'd be giving to the people of Philadelphia. Because, again, based on the incompetence and the anti-gun ideology of the people in charge, I don't think things are going to get any better anytime soon. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day. Heck, we'll just, you know what, let's just keep it in the uh, Philadelphia area, although we'll head across uh, the Delaware to South Jersey for this one. We're a uh, Wawa employee uh, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of a customer. In uh, Millville, John Wallop is 19 years old, works behind the deli counter at Wawa in Millville. He's a senior in high school, and uh, a couple weeks ago, he was working a double shift. He says, pretty tired. I was, uh, you know, making my sandwiches. Two strangers ran up to me like, hey, there's a girl having a seizure in the bathroom. So John Wallop runs into the restroom, finds a woman who wasn't breathing. His grandmother apparently had taught him CPR a couple of years ago. So he starts performing CPR on the stranger in the bathroom, checking her pulse. He says, you know, she passed away on me for a second. She died on me for a second. Couldn't find a pulse. But he keeps doing the chest compressions. He keeps breathing. Uh, and uh, the woman began to cough. About seven minutes later, EMTs arrived. They took over. The woman is alive and well today. And John Wallop says, if I didn't do what I did, she wouldn't have made it. Uh, John Wallop's mom, Calvina said that uh, she expects nothing less from her son. She said it was her mom who sparked John's interest in others. She said uh, grandma took the kids every summer. She took John to CPR class. If she was definitely a live man, she would have definitely been honored, Calvina said. John Wallop has been recognized by friends and uh, family and classmates in the community as well. He got a Pillar of the Community Hero Award not long ago. He said uh, he wants to continue helping others. He says, I'm thinking about joining the police force. I believe we need more EMTs and medics and law enforcement officers out there. So he says he's looking forward to finishing school. Wants to have a full-time job at Wawa while he waits for the uh, next steps in his uh, higher education. And he also encourages other people to uh, learn CPR. He says you never know when you might need it. That's absolutely right. John Wallop there in uh, Millville, New Jersey, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. And we thank you. 
for your very good deed. Now, that is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com, the website, throughout the day for even more information about your right to keep and bear arms that you absolutely should know about. We'll be back tomorrow with even more news that uh, is uh, going on here around the country. It is a very busy time of year with state legislatures getting back in session. So I have no idea what tomorrow's big story will be, but I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. Until we speak again, be well, be safe, and be free. 